This podcast is sponsored by the FG Barnes Group with showrooms in Canterbury and Maidstone, offering a range of new and approved used cars, including MG, Seat and Vauxhall. Kent Online News. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast. Nicola Everett. Hello, hope you're okay. Maybe feeling a little cooler on Wednesday, July the 20th. Thanks ever so much for downloading today's podcast. After the hottest day on record and an incredibly busy one for firefighters in Kent, large wildfires broke out in the north of the county and were still burning earlier today. Well, at Kent Online, you can see dramatic videos showing flames and smoke right near to the A2. Another fire broke out at Dartford Heath. Our reporter, Sean Delaney headed to the area last night. I can see uh, two police cars stationed uh, on the exit slip road for Old Bexley Lane, cutting off access to where uh, a fire uh, engulfed a large section of scrubland heathland earlier on Dartford Heath. Um, the fire now appears to be out. There's a few uh, faint signals of smoke. Uh, two fire engines are also uh, present. Um, Earlier today, uh, Kent Fire and Rescue Service issued a statement uh, on the uh, fire here at Dartford Heath. They said that 12 fire engines were at the scene and crews are using hose reels, jets and main jets to tackle the blaze involving areas of undergrowth and trees. No casualties have been reported, uh, but people driving on the A2 and other nearby roads are being advised to take extra care. Um, the uh, dual carriageway uh, traffic is now moving well um, after earlier congestion and um, Although a exit slip road onto Old Bexley Lane uh, is still blocked off by police. We've also got images showing the stark aftermath with charred trees, scorched ground and fences destroyed. Matt Dedman is the Assistant Director of Kemp Fire and Rescue Service. Really, really challenging time over uh, the last 24-hour period, as was expected, with the extreme heat that we were seeing. Um, firefighters working incredibly hard in extremely punishing conditions uh, to limit the spread of, of these wildfires that we're seeing. We've uh, had a significant presence at a number of large-scale incidents, uh, such as those we've seen uh, on the heath in particular in Dartford, uh, in the, kind of the southeast uh, area of London um, and, and around uh, the surrounding areas. Today, um, we scaled down operations overnight um, due to uh, the, the darkness. Today, we'll be uh, standing resources back up in order to uh, finally resolve those incidents, turn over, damp down those scenes and take stock of where we are. We've got a plan uh, going into place, uh, as you would imagine, for uh, the remainder of the week in terms of making sure that we have enough resources uh, to meet any of the challenges that the weather may continue to present us uh, as, as we go forward. Fortunately, here within Kent, uh, the property damage was relatively limited. Uh, we had uh, a serious house fire in Borough Green, um, but in the Dartford Heath area, we managed to uh, prevent the spread of fire from the Heathland to uh, surrounding properties. Um, through putting in place uh, a large number of resources. At one time, we had 155 fighters and 35 engines on scene working hard to make sure that the public uh, remains safe. Uh, and obviously, um, just in terms of what the public can do to help us as we move forward over the next 24, 48 hours, ensuring that uh, you're not having fires in the open, um, making sure that when it comes to things like water safety, uh, you're treating that with absolute respect, not jumping into rivers uh, and so on, which, of course, will help to ensure that our response can remain resilient through this period. 
and that we're only then required for the most serious, uh, of course. Well, following yesterday's record-breaking temperatures, there's now a chance of more thunderstorms in Kent. Some happened last night, which you might have heard, but there's also a yellow weather alert for more thunder and lightning into this evening. The warning covers mostly the northeast and west of the county, and the Met Office say we could have heavy showers until 9 o'clock tonight. There's also a risk of power cuts and poor driving conditions. And with that weather warning, highways bosses, as I mentioned, say a torrential downpour after such hot dry weather could mean roads are slippery. They're urging anyone heading out to take care. We will have regular travel updates on our travel blog at Kent Online. You can also hear the very latest on our sister radio station KMFM. Now as the heat wave continues, people in parts of Kent have been facing another day without water. Supplies were cut off in areas including Watering Bree, Yolding and Paddock Wood yesterday. Taps have also been running dry in Cholock and Molash since Saturday. Well, let's hear now from Lee Dance, who's from South East Water. He's been speaking to Ish. First thing I want to say is we're really sorry to all of our customers who are uh, experiencing low or no um, water supplies during this extremely hot uh, period of weather that we've just seen. Um, in the Molash and Cholock area, uh, we did manage to do some rezoning, and so some of those customers have still been receiving supplies over the last few days. Uh, but there are a number that um, are still experiencing no supply or intermittent supplies. And so we've had a bottle station set up at um, the Charlotte Village Hall, and that will stay in place until uh, normal supplies resume. Um, we know uh, how challenging this has been for customers and uh, we, we, we know how frustrated they are um, as well. We fully understand that. And, and we're doing everything we can to uh, restore the supplies to, to the areas as quickly as possible. For residents in Cholokamolash in particular, I understand it's been five days for, for some people there who've not had running water. I mean, that's not really acceptable. And I mean, considering this heat wave, I mean, they're potentially vulnerable people who who desperately need that water. That's right. And um, we've we've um, put a particular effort around uh, the vulnerable customers that are in our area. We do have a priority service register. Um, so so we, we, we know where most of those customers are. And um, throughout this period, we have been providing water directly to the door um, uh, on several occasions now, just to make sure that they're okay. Um, and then for, for other customers, at the bottle station we're, we're providing water and, and support uh, as best we can what is to blame why is the shortage lasting for such a long period of time well we have um just experienced uh, a very very uh sustained period of hot weather and that's uh, meant that we've seen some incredibly high uh, demands on our system as well um on the hottest day yesterday we were putting 140 million liters more water into the system than we normally would. And just to give a bit of a, a feel for the size and scale of that, that's the equivalent of four towns the size of Maidstone um, sort of coming onto our demand system overnight. Um, and so we've been we've been needing to, to, to manage that demand. Um, one of the things we have been doing uh, through this period is um, trying to communicate with the wider uh, customer group as well. And um, ask them if they can just help us to, to, to reduce their demand. And there's a, there's a number of, sort of tips and ways that we think uh, they, could, they could really help us. Um, so, so yeah, if, if, if everyone could just 
think, be a bit more mind, mindful about their use and, and maybe look at ways to reduce that will certainly uh, help the situation uh, for us as well. Well, if you're affected, we'd like to hear from you. You can leave a comment on the story at Kent Online. You can also leave a message on our socials. This podcast is sponsored by the FG Barnes Group with car dealerships in Canterbury and Maidstone. Other top stories for you today and two people have been arrested in Margate following the death of a baby. Officers have been called to the QEQM hospital over concerns about a little boy on Friday. He later died at a hospital in London. A man in his 20s and a teenage girl have been released on bail. A cyclist has been mauled by a dog in Dartford. He was knocked off his bike and bitten on the face by a Staffordshire Terrier mix on a footpath between the River Darrant and Joyce Green Lane on Sunday. Now the owner has said it was from a rescue centre and promised to call an ambulance but then left without getting any help. The victim also suffered leg and hand injuries. A search is now underway for the owners. A man's been charged after several women were followed and harassed in Tunbridge Wells. Three victims reported his behaviour to police and an investigation is ongoing. The 51-year-old suspect has been charged with stalking offences. Now, there are calls for something to be done about teenagers gathering at a lake in Greenhithe after a duckling was reportedly stoned to death. People living near St Clement's Lake say young people are travelling down from London and vandalising the area. Police have previously used dispersal orders to break up groups, but there are calls for officers to have increased powers. Katie Lynch is a local councillor. This has been an ongoing issue for a number of years and more needs to be done about it. It is not acceptable for residents to have to endure this each time we have nice weather and it's having a really negative impact on them. The recent incident of animal cruelty on Friday is also absolutely disgusting and it must be dealt with robustly by Kent Police. I would personally like to see the management company doing more to deter the swimming within their existing service charge funds. This cannot cost the residents of St Clement's Lake more money and for the council to consider introducing a public space protection order or something similar for this area just to give the police greater powers to deal with this problem. It is always worse during the summer, so we really need some urgent action on this. Well, police have told the podcast they are aware of concerns in the area and are trying to identify those responsible for suspected animal cruelty. Patrols have also been increased. Kent Online News. This is one of our most read stories today. A Whitstable school that hadn't been inspected for more than a decade has been stripped of its outstanding status. Westmead's Community Infants on Cromwell Road is now said to require improvement after a visit by Ofsted. Inspectors found issues with the curriculum and a lack of subject knowledge among teachers. A new head actually took over at the school in September and is said to be making improvements. After Sheppey was left without water for several days in the heatwave, there are renewed calls today for a second pipe to supply the island. MP Gordon Henderson wants a meeting with Southern Water following last week's disruption, which affected 20,000 homes and holiday parks. It's understood the company promised to make improvements back in 2016, but that didn't happen. The leader of Medway Council is being urged to step down after being accused of bullying by a councillor. Gloria Opara, who represents Prince's Park Ward, claims Alan Jarrett was overly aggressive towards her during a meeting to decide who'd stand at next year's local elections. Well, it was decided someone else would contest the area, leading to her making a formal complaint to the party. Mr Jarrett's already announced he'll step down before the elections, but says he won't consider his position any earlier.
More than 1,500 people have signed a schoolboys petition calling for bus routes in West Kent not to be scrapped. You might have heard actually about certain services across the county being cut. Well, the Bennett Memorial pupil says he'd struggled to get to class using public transport from September as a number of routes are being got rid of. Well, let's hear first from Elijah Lettington and his mum, Gemma. I am hopeful that it will change things and I'm hoping to take it to KCC or Go Coach because, well, hundreds of people won't be able to get to school. These buses are a lifeline to our rural communities where children struggle to get to school otherwise. Um, they've been historically there for such a long time and after the pandemic, all the disruption these children have had um, through the last couple of years, it doesn't seem fair that they're paying the price. So why is all this happening? Well, operators are blaming an increase in costs and that, of course, includes fuel. You know how much it costs to fill up your car, just imagine how much it costs to fill up a bus. There's also, we're told, been a dip in demand following the pandemic. Pandemic. Ben Williams is the deputy head of Trinity School, which is over in Sevenoaks and will also be affected. I think we were looking forward to September as being a year of normality, whatever that might now mean. And we're not going to have that for many of these families now. And so just at the moment that we hoped to be getting back into a routine, we've had it pulled from underneath us. Parent Tamsin Clay is very concerned that it's going to lead to more congestion in the area. What few buses are left remaining are just going to be absolutely absolutely insanely busy and the roads are going to be gridlocked because people are going to be having to use alternative forms of transport, driving their children themselves, trying to get their children to train stations. Finally, we can hear from Councillor Richard Streetfeld. He represents Sevenoaks Town. It's going to have a, a huge, huge impact on the people of Kent and Kent County Council need to reconsider their decision to cut £2.2 million out of the £6 million budget and refund the buses. Well, the County Council say children who are entitled to free school travel will have arrangements in place for the start of the new term. However, they add that they're not in a position to offer financial support to bus companies to reinstate services. Kent Online reports. Income from tourism in Kent fell by £2.5 billion when the pandemic struck, according to new research. Academics at the University of Kent say the county made £4.1 billion in 2019, but only £1.6 billion the following year. They're highlighting how important heritage sites are, but say they're also at risk of local development and spending cutbacks due to the cost of living crisis. A festival of skills is being held in part of Kent Day to try and help young people find job opportunities. The Romney Marsh Inspires event will include workshops, activities and talks from organisations like the NHS, Digital Kent and Screen South. It's taking place at the Marsh Academy. More than 150 acts have been confirmed for this year's Canterbury Festival. Music, theatre, comedy, circus and cabaret will be taking place in the city over two weeks from October the 15th. It'll include a massive light and sound installation at the Cathedral as well. Priority book open next Monday. Cyclists are being encouraged to take part in an event to raise money for charities across the county. The KM charity team are hosting the big West Kent bike ride with routes of 150 kilometres. It's going to be happening in September. You can follow us on socials for details on how to get involved. And finally today, Jason Manford's had to pay more than £200 to get a taxi to his gig in Margate. Now, the comedian was planning to travel from Stockport by train 
Spain, but the service was cancelled yesterday during all the disruption caused by the heatwave. So he took to Twitter and asked if he could borrow someone's car. However, he ended up having to hire two separate cabs. He finally arrived at the Winter Gardens with just minutes to spare and then jokingly collapsed on the stage. He later tweeted, though, that the gig was a smasher and well worth the journey. He says he's so glad he got to play the show before the venue closes. He was then back at his B&B, sat in the courtyard having a cold drink and reading a good book. Didn't quite end there, though. He was sat outside and there was suddenly some thunder and lightning. Plus, he didn't get recognised. That is close. What's going on in Margate tonight? Well, needs to make up his mind, to be honest. I know, right? Okay. I wouldn't sit on the metal seat if I was you. <laughs> I'm no expert, but I'll take that wicker one if I'm. Yeah. <laughs> Where are you from? Is that Northern? I am Northern, I. More Northern when I get down here. That may be a good thing or not. Well done to Jason for getting to Kent. And he's going to be in Tunbridge Wells tomorrow. Kent Online Sports. Football and Maidstone's Alicia Russo will be hoping to score for England again tonight as they play in the quarterfinals of the Women's Euros. She scored twice in their final group game against Northern Ireland last week. They're taking on Spain at Brighton Stadium. Now Raj Desi is head of youth development at Gravesend's Punjab United. He's been chatting to Ish and says the whole tournament has been incredibly inspiring. Football's been great. The atmosphere's been great. The buzz has been great. So... For us, I think, and the club and myself, I'm just really happy to kind of sit a at, at our home, you know, home kind of it's a home tournament, and uh, just to see the level of football and how well we're doing has been fantastic. For your girls at Punjab United, how influential has their performance been? How inspiring has it been for your girls to see it? It has been. I think it has been. I think over the last year, uh, I think uh, as our girls' team has been growing, you know, and we've kind of focused on. Uh, just developing it. We've obviously had a kind of advantage of having the kind of, you know, the competition at home. So I think it's been a good motivation for them to kind of see what's happening, to kind of just see it in the mainstream media more, to kind of see it like it's a big tournament, almost to get the kind of same level of kind of promotion that the kind of men's game does. So it's been a big event. I think it's been good the way it's been voted. So I think everyone's excited. I think everyone's supporting the Lioness. So I think it's been a fantastic um it's fantastic what, um, what what the kind of competition we've put on and, and the show that's been kind of put out there. Yeah, and you touch on it there. Is, is that fundamental, the 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 level of broadcast, the, um, you know, being at a flagship tournament, um, it's in front of everyone's eyes, you know, little girls sitting at home or, you know, at home tournament as well, chance to actually go and watch them. There have been record crowds as well. Is that yeah. key to, to sparking um, the interest of girls to, to take up the sport here? I think so. I think if you look at, some of, especially if you look at from when I was young, the thing that kind of you made me get into football more was obviously seeing it on TV to see the players to get into football and you know, and you kind of relate to that and you kind of think, oh, that's fantastic. So just to see it on the kind of it's it's mainstream media, you know, media as well. So it's kind of available on terrestrial TV, which is fantastic. And I think you know it, it it's been done really well, and I think a lot more people are taking interest, and in. I think it's. It's great. And that, that's what we want. And um, amongst your, your girls' teams, is it something certainly 
um, a topic of conversation that, that's that's picked up a lot in, in recent weeks during the tournament? Yeah, no, it has. It has. Because obviously um, we're seeing a lot of players and I think a question gets asked. I mean, especially from my point, you can easily answer questions about where football's going for the boys and the men. You've got structure. But this hopefully kind of, you know, the questions are going, so how, you know, people think, well, how do we get to this level? What happens, you know? So it's definitely interesting. I think people can see there is a there is a future in women's and girls football, which is good to see. And I think that's the main buzz, really. Kickoff tonight is at eight. We'll have details of the result in tomorrow's podcast. Plus, you can also hear the latest in bulletins on our sister radio station, KMFM. Staying with football and the Gillingham boss has praised his team's performance, despite them losing 3-2 to Crystal Palace in a pre-season friendly. Ollie Lee and Jordan Green scored against the Premier League side at Priestfield last night. The Jules are heading to Southend United on Saturday for their final warm-up match ahead of the League Two season starting the following weekend. And Ken's Dina Asher-Smith has made it through to the final of the 200 metres at the World Athletics Championships. She finished second in her semi-final in Oregon overnight and will be hoping to get a medal in the early hours of Friday. That's all from us for today. Thanks ever so much for listening. Don't forget you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. You can also get access to the ad-free Kent Online premium site. To do it, you need to head to kentonline.co.uk UK forward slash subscribe. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast. This podcast is sponsored by the FG Barnes Group with showrooms in Canterbury and Maidstone, offering a range of new and approved used cars, including MG, Seat, and Vauxhall.